0: Miss Misty. Welcome to Choice, my experience building relationship with God. Where I left off is I had just moved into my first one-bedroom apartment, which was on the West Bank of the university that I was fortunate enough to get accepted to. And this happened because One of the staff people at the Home for Unwed Mothers that I had been placed in by my dad had taken an interest in not only myself, but my baby. She, after getting to know me, she gave me the information to, well, basically the application and said that I had what it took to accomplish a four-year degree program. And I just needed to fill out the application. Well, I did fill out that application. And about three to five weeks later, I found a letter on the dining room table from the university. And when I opened it, it said, congratulations, you have been accepted. It was the 31st of March. That was my first day at the university. I was amazed. (sighs) I never walked so much in my life, but it was okay because I was young. I was 18. So walking across that bridge on the West Bank every day or the day that I had classes (laughs) was extraordinary to me making my way around the different buildings and classrooms, taking care of the things that I needed to take care of to get things done, going to the bookstore, getting to my classes, and listening to the professors, and looking among the people in the classroom because I didn't see very many people that looked like me. And I know that from the people that was there, they definitely <laughs> didn't have a history like I did. <laughs> I was like a one in a million shot to be there, and I knew it, but I was glad to be there. I was thankful. I I appreciated being there. The years went by, and I learned a lot of things about myself, <laughs> one of which... Oh, my gosh. I have a tendency to procrastinate. I'd have 12 weeks to get a paper in. And for some reason, I'd wait until the last three days before I started to work on it. But some kind of way, I always got it done. And I always came out with a good grade. (laughs) So that was really great. The years went by. And it came time to graduate, and it was really, it it was surreal. Talk about a feeling of victory, <laughs> of overcoming the odds. My best friend, who no longer is living, he passed away years ago when he was 50. But back then, he he was young just like me. And whenever I would get discouraged or... Thinking I was in school for too long because I was in school for four and a half years, he would always encourage me and say, Stay. Don't come out yet. Stay in. You're doing the right thing. Ain't nothing happening out in these streets. Stay. And I did and he was there at my graduation the woman that had befriended me as a counselor at the home for unwed mothers and was the one that gave me the application i had kept in touch with her throughout the years and but she had moved out of state however because i knew where she was i was able to let her know i i made it i'm graduating and I invited her to come to my graduation from the U. There was others that I, I invited. And at the wisdom of women that I kept in touch with, there was some senior women at the at the house that I kept in touch with. Because I, I didn't want to invite my dad. I didn't want to invite him because he wasn't a believer. He didn't believe in me. There are a lot of things that he said to me when I was young that did not attribute to or were it wasn't encouraging or I had no vision. My mom had died unexpectedly when I was twelve, and <clears throat> my dad he i I had no vision I, I didn't know what I was gonna do, however. The day it came, it was time for me to graduate. After graduation, which was really great, party like a rock star, partied like a rock star. <laughs> oh, we partied. All I knew is I wanted to move out of that stone city. The high-rises that I were in, they were great for the time being, but I was tired of not being around any trees or grass or greenery. It was like a stone city. Everything was concrete, and pavement around, pavement, and concrete. So I made the arrangements to move, and we moved... Into a, a smaller city outside of Robbinsdale, Minnesota, and um, had a two-bedroom apartment there. It was good. It was good until it, I needed to. I needed to find a job. My son, by this time, he was in school full time. And I had a little girl, and she was only about, I don't know, six to nine months old at the time. It was time for me to get a job. That's why I got the degree in business management speech communications. However, it was really interesting because I had never worked a day in my life up until then. I never had a job. So certain social skills that are necessary to be successful at a job, like getting along with others, being a team player, just some other characteristics that you grow when you, when you have a job, like when you have a job as a teenager or as a young adult. I was twenty four and I had never held a real job until I needed to look for one and um this was really interesting because I could not by that time where I, where I was living at in the in the outer suburbs of the Twin Cities, they didn't have the type of latchkey program that I needed for my son. And finding childcare for she was considered a baby, an infant was. I I I didn't know where any was. It, it wasn't, you know, a lot available at that time. My son, I needed help with my son. He was, a good, he was a good boy. He was. He was a good child. However, I needed help with him because I needed to get a job. The Social Security Survivors Benefit, I aged out of them because I had gone to college and graduated, so I aged out. And so I was on AFDC. I needed to get a job. I didn't go to college to sit on AFDC. And uh, so I called my dad. Hmm. By the way, I, I, yeah, I, yeah, did end up inviting him to the college graduation ceremony. To say little to none, he was quite proud. I heard that he was bragging about me down at the post office that his daughter was graduating with a four-year degree in, from the University of Minnesota. Anyway, I called him, asked him if he would help me with his grandson. You know, I explained I was trying to get a job, and the teachers were telling me that he was really active in class and the the psychologist at the school was talking about that he was a d h d and they had given me some pills for him to take and I didn't like what the pills did to him because he got really quiet and i mean he didn't he was like he wasn't like instead of just running around and laughing and giggling, he just got really quiet and and I didn't like that, so I stopped giving him the pills and um but if he was gonna be in class, I had to let him take the pill to to be in school and um so i had was talking with my dad and about the whole thing, and I could not believe what my dad said to me in that conversation. He was so flip. I I just didn't understand it. I mean, my son was like six years old, and aside from, you know, picking him up a few times when I was in college and taking him to get his first haircut and, you know... Taken him a few times for a weekend or whatever. He was a you know a, a baby, a toddler, a little you know a child, a little boy, and my dad just just didn't seem how to relate with him. So when I called and asked for him to help me, his response came off to be, "Well, put him in an institution," and I'm like. I think I just ended up cussing him out and that just uh, hung up on him and that pretty much ended that. If I didn't cuss him out, I really wanted to. Um, I think the major cussing out was saved for later though. Um, I think pretty much I just hung up. So the only person left to call was the woman that had befriended me while I was, you know, in the home for our when mothers, the one that had been hired as staff there. And like I said, we had kept in touch and stuff, and she had moved out of the state by then and uh, started working somewhere else. So I called her, and I explained the situation to her, that I was trying to get a job, but I needed help. And she had always been there before, you know. Back when she first encountered me at the Home for unwed Mothers, there was times I'd be talking, and she would listen to everything I would say. And if there was anything that I needed for my son, the next thing I knew, like a playpen. I'd mention something, it'd be nice to have a playpen so he doesn't have to be crawling on the floor and the next thing I know, she shows up with a brand-new playpen. Or, like I said, babysitting, if I need someone to watch him, or if I, I don't know, whatever it was, if I needed a bedroom set. When I moved into my my place, when I, I needed a bedroom set. And here she comes having a bedroom set delivered, you know, And, uh, wow, okay. So, of course, when this need came up, I called her, even though she was living out of town, and I know she loved him. I believed, I trusted her, and I believed she would take good care of him. And the arrangement is she was only supposed to have him for the summer, you know, until I found a job. And um, she said, okay. She's like, well, I would like you to write a note of permission that you're his mother and you know that I have him. You sent him down to stay with me. And... um." You know, and you give me permission to make medical decisions on his behalf. Yada, yada, yada. So I bought the plane ticket. Like I said, I was on AFDC. I could only afford a one-way ticket. And uh, and I wrote the note. And um, I let him know that he was gonna go and stay with her for a little while, cause mom needed to get a job, and without the right childcare, I just was not able to to do that. And I had ended up finding someone that would take care of my daughter, a, uh, not a person, but a uh, daycare. The day came and. I sent him with his clothes and his backpack, and he was all—he had had his hair cut, and he was—he was all set to go. Yeah, that was pretty much the last time I saw my son for a very, very, very long time. See, she had made a decision after the three months of summertime, that she was not going to let me know where she was at. They didn't have cell phones back then like they do now, so it was still landlines. And one day I called, and I couldn't get in touch with her. The phone no longer worked. All I knew was that they were in... I think it was West Virginia or Virginia. My God, my heart sunk into my stomach. I was still African-American mom. I had my baby girl with me. I hadn't made any formal arrangements like marriage or anything with her dad yet and i was on aftc and my dad was not involved at least so i thought and at this point because there was an altercation that i didn't even know about till after it happened At the end of the summer, she did bring him back. But she took him to my dad's house. By this time, I had moved over to Little Canada. I did get a full-time job with one of the major banks as a teller. I would curl up at night because... I was so sick with anxiety and fear that my body would just produce acid and it would just run straight through me. I would curl up in a fetal position at night after I put my daughter to sleep. And cry because I was so alone. I didn't know where my son was. I didn't know what I was going to do. My boy, my child was missing.